Welcome. This is Pastor Danny with Word of Faith Family Church in beautiful Lander, Wyoming. Thank you for taking the time to join us today. I pray you will be energized and strengthened as you listen to God's Word. My son, Mac, is eight years old, and a couple weeks ago for youth, he was in youth with us. And he said, I said, hey, Callie, on a scale from one to ten, can you rate my message tonight? And she says, I think Reagan piped up first, and Reagan's like, it was a nine, Mom. And she's very sweet, Reagan is. Callie says, I would say 8.5. You could have used another story or two because it was, you know. Mac says, don't be nice. It was a five. <laughs> He said, you don't have to lie just not to hurt her feelings. Tell her the truth. I'm like, you are definitely your father's son. (laughs) But today I know you're in for a treat because uh, this morning, I always read my message a couple times out loud so that I kind of like know it so I'm not just up here reading. And uh, we were, the kids wanted to go to the coffee shop. So I said, okay, but you have to read my message out loud to me while we're driving. So they're reading and we get to the coffee shop and Max says, wait, mom, did you write this? And I said, yeah, I did. And he said, this is really good. So there you go. Out of the honest mouth of an eight-year-old, you guys are in for a treat today. Okay. So many of you know that I taught preschool several years ago. Um, And when I taught preschool, I had the privilege to teach about Jesus. I loved it. Every single day we had a Bible story that was age-appropriate, and I just told it, like, from my heart. We didn't read it out of a book or anything. And um, it was my favorite part of the day. And one of the moms told me one time, she said, my son came home and he said, Mom, I have to tell you about the Bible story that Mrs. Bauer taught us today. And she said, okay, tell me about it. And he said, so, there was this dude. (laughs) And I thought, oh boy, here we go. So today I'm going to start out with that same Bible story that I taught that day. I still remember it very clearly. And it was about Joseph. So I'm going to start off. There was this dude and his name was Joseph. (laughs) He was the youngest of 11 brothers. He had, uh, so he, he had 10 older brothers, and then it was him. There was 11 of them. And his dad was Jacob, so you know he was one of the greats in the Bible, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, right? That's what we always say, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So his dad was one of those Bible heroes. And his dad had two wives. He was tricked into marrying one wife, and her name was Leah, But he really loved Rachel, who was his second wife, and they were sisters. There was a little bit of competition there because guess what? Leah gave him many sons, and Rachel only gave him one. And that son was named Joseph. And so Joseph was the youngest. He was the favorite because he he came from the wife that his dad loved. So his dad treated him really special, right? Does anybody remember what his dad gave him, a special gift? Yes, the coat of many colors. And so not only did he have a very special coat, but he also told on his brothers when they were naughty. The Bible says when the brothers misbehaved, then Joseph would go tell the dad. So how do you think his brothers felt about Joseph? Yeah, not very good. They rarely hated him. So uh, something else interesting about Joseph was that God gave him a dream. And in this dream, he dreamt that his brothers were bundles of wheat or had bundles of wheat and that their wheat bowed down to his wheat. Okay, so smart guy he was. He went and told his brothers, hey, your wheat's going to bow down to my wheat. (laughs) Then he had another dream. And in this dream, the uh, the sun and the moon and 11 stars bowed down to him. 
So then he told his family that dream too. And his dad kind of rebuked him and he said, do you really think that your mother and I and your brothers are going to bow down to you? But this is what the Bible says, and I thought this was so interesting. It says his dad kept the matter in his mind. Sometimes when God gives you a vision, it's a big vision, and people can't wrap their minds around it. People who love you, they want to support you, but they're like, well, let me tell you this, okay? Let me... Uh, Michael and I recently, we were preparing for some, we did some training to do premarital counseling or just like kind of marital counseling. And in order to be certified in this, bless you, we have to do the test ourselves. So we took the test and it says, Kendra, you are the dreamer and Michael, you make Kendra's dreams come true. (laughs) That's basically what it said. said, you're the realist. So sometimes I come with a vision in my heart like Joseph did here, and I'm like, Michael, wow, whatever it is. And he's like, wow, that's impossible (laughs) or whatever, you know. And so this is even people that love you sometimes are like, I don't know if that's going to happen. And in this case, his dad kind of, the Bible says he rebuked him. Like, that is a big dream. I don't really think that's going to happen. So people can be discouraging to you, and maybe even people that are close to you can even, like, prevent you from believing the vision that God gives you, just like his dad did. But I want you to remember, his dad kept the matter in his mind. That means he probably knew it was from God, right? He was, like, offended a little bit, but then, like, oh, maybe this is actually going to happen. So after hearing his dreams, his, his brothers were infuriated, really. And guess what they decided to do? They said, we're going to kill him. This, this is what they said. And so we're going to go to Genesis 37. <clears throat> and 19. 37, 19. And I'm going to read just a little bit out of here. Most of this story will be paraphrased, but I want you to hear this. Then they said to one another, look, the dreamer is coming, because they were out in the fields working, and so Joseph had to come bring them some food or check on them or something, and um, when they saw him coming from a long ways, they said, look, the dreamer is coming. Come, therefore, let us now kill him and cast him into some pit, and we shall say some wild beast has devoured him. We shall see what will become of his dreams. But Reuben, Reuben was the oldest. I think he had a little more wisdom, and he said this, uh, He delivered him out of their hands and said, Let us not kill him. And Reuben said to them, Shed no blood, but cast him into this pit which is in the wilderness, and do not lay a hand on him, that he might deliver him out of their hands and bring him back to his father. So he was planning on going to rescue Joseph later and take him back to daddy. So it came to pass when Joseph had come to his brothers that they stripped Joseph of his tunic, his coat of many colors, And um, they took him, cast him into a pit, and the pit was empty. There was no water in it. And then they sat down to eat a meal. And I want to ask you right now, what do you think Joseph was thinking at this time? Like, he had had these dreams. He had big aspirations for himself, right? And now, all of a sudden, he's in the bottom of a well. His brothers hate him. They probably beat him up. I don't know. I feel like I read that somewhere in a Bible story one time. And um, he was probably a little bit discouraged right at the bottom of that well maybe he was saying something like this god you told me i was going to be something great but now look at me my brothers hate me i'm in the bottom of this pit there's no way to get out who knows what's going to happen to me this doesn't feel great at all 
sometimes we can get that way too, can't we? When we're looking at what God told us and then looking at our circumstances, we're like, did I even hear God? Is this even right? God, where are you? Have you abandoned me? You told me all of these things, but now look, it's the exact opposite of what, I, what you told me. But as the brothers were eating, something happened. Some slave traders came along, and the brothers decided, let's sell him. We won't kill him. Let's make some money. So they sold him as a slave, sent him off to Egypt. And I do have to note here that Reuben, the oldest one, he wasn't there at the time when they decided to sell him because the Bible says later he came back and looking for the boy. And he was like, where's the boy? And they said, we sold him. And he's like, now what am I going to tell dad? So they uh, took his coat. They killed a goat. They took his coat and rubbed it all in the goat's blood. And then they took the bloody coat back to the dad and said, look, we found this. What do you think happened to him? And the dad said, oh, surely he was devoured by a wild animal, torn to pieces by a wild animal. So that's kind of how they got around it. So back to Joseph, though, he was sold to a wealthy man in Egypt, and his name was Potiphar. And now I want you to think, okay, so he's in the bottom of a pit. He gets sold as a slave. Now he's going from being specially treated in his father's house, probably a lot of different kinds of privileges and things that he had in his father's house, to now scrubbing someone's floor or whatever it was that he did in Potiphar's house. But in Genesis 39, too, it says that the Lord was with Joseph. He was a successful man. His master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord made all he did to prosper in his hand. So Joseph found favor in his sight, and he served him. Potiphar made him overseer of his house and all that he had put under Joseph's authority. So it was from the time that he had made him overseer of his house and all that he had, the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. So just because Joseph was there, the blessing of God was on Potiphar's house. The blessing of the Lord was on all that he had in the house and in the field. So here is Joseph. He's not living out the vision that God had told him because he still is a slave. Yes, God helped him in that time, but he still is a slave. But God is still causing him to prosper. He's showing Joseph, no matter what your circumstances are, I got you. I got your back, bro. I'll take care of you. But in order for the Lord to be with Joseph like that, what do you think Joseph had to be doing? Yeah, serving God, trusting in God, being with God. It says, his master saw that the Lord was with him. Well, in order for the Lord to be close to you, you have to be in right relationship with God, right? And we know righteousness or right relationship with God is just a, like a heavy word to say, living God's way. Okay, so we know that God is blessing Joseph. And also Hebrews eleven six says this, without faith it is impossible to please God. So in order for God to be helping Joseph and prospering him at this time, even in the hardest of circumstances, Joseph had to be doing his part in trusting God as well, because that's how God is pleased. So when we have circumstances in our lives and you say, God, this doesn't align with the vision you've given me. It doesn't align with what I thought it was going to work out like. Uh, what, do we give up or are we like Joseph? Do we get discouraged or do we hang in there and we say, no, we are going to hear, we did hear from God and we are going to continue trusting God because that's really what God is calling us to do. Continue trusting him no matter what. I'm old school with my paper, no iPad up here. <clears throat> so just when things were going well for Joseph in Potiphar's house, let's go ahead and turn to Genesis 39, 6. So just a couple pages over, probably. And it says this. Um, 
sorry, this is a different Bible than I'm used to using. Thus he left all that he had in Joseph's hand. This was um, Potiphar. He left all that he had in Joseph's hand, and he did not know what he had except for the bread which he ate. Now, Joseph was handsome in form and appearance. So now we have a strong slave, one that looks really good. And guess who notices? Potiphar's wife. And she says this. Let's keep reading, because I'm going to read it right out of the Bible, okay? It came to pass after these things that his master's wife cast longing eyes on Joseph. And she said, come and lie with me. But he refused, and he said to his master's wife, look, my master does not know what is with me in the house, and he has committed all that he has to my hand. There is no one greater in this house than I, nor has he kept back anything from me except for you, because you are his wife. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? So here we see now, too, Joseph is following what God told him to do. He's living in righteousness. He's living in holy living. And so he's still intent on serving God, even though, like, that would be, probably would be tempting. I don't know. But there you go. It's, he's still like, I'm going to serve God. I'm going to follow God no matter what, even though I'm a slave right now. Verse 10, so it was as she spoke to Joseph day by day that he did not heed her to lie with her or to be with her. But it happened about this time when Joseph went into the house to do his work, and none of the men in the house were inside. She caught him by his garment, saying, Lie with me. But he left his garment in her hand and fled and ran outside. And so it was when she saw that he had left his garment in her hand and fled outside that she called to the men of her house and spoke to them, saying, See, he has brought into us a Hebrew to mock us. He came into me to lie with me, and I cried out with a loud voice. And it happened when he heard that I lifted my voice and cried out that he left his garment with me. He fled and went outside. So she kept his garment with her until his master came home. Then she spoke to him with words like these, saying, The Hebrew servant whom you brought to us came into me to mock me. So it happened as I lifted my voice and cried out that he left his garment with me and fled outside. So it was when his master heard the words which his wife spoke to him, saying, Your servant did to me after this matter, manner that his anger was aroused. And then Joseph's master took him and put him in the prison, a place where the king's prisoners were confined, and he was there in the prison. What do you think about Joseph's vision now? Now he's in prison for a lie that happened. He was serving God. He was doing the right thing. He said, nope, I'm going to do what God told me to do. I'm going to live a righteous life. I'm going to live a holy life. I'm going to continue trusting in God. And where did it get him? In prison. You think that would be discouraging? Oh my gosh, that would be so discouraging. And he might have thought, God, why? Why is this happening to me? I don't understand what's going on. How come the wheat's not bowing down to me now? Right? But he didn't. Sometimes when we expect God's plans for our lives to work out a certain way and we say, God gave me this little snapshot of a vision and it's going to, I just know it's going to work out like this and this and this and then it takes an unexpected turn and maybe looks like a turn for the worse. Don't give up hope. Don't blame God for getting us into this place because if we wouldn't have listened to him in the first place, we wouldn't be here. Right? Don't get in that place. We must do the same thing that Joseph did do, despite whatever he may have thought. Because whether Joseph was thinking that God had abandoned him or not, he did not write that story in his head. He didn't let his thoughts get out of control. It's easy for us to do that. 
That's why the Bible says, put on the helmet of salvation. That's why the Bible says, renew your mind every single day with the word of God. This is the story that you need to write in your head. Don't let any other story get written in your head. So he continued to trust God. And the Bible says in verse 21 that God was with Joseph, that God showed Joseph mercy, and he gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. The keeper of the prison committed to Joseph's the prisoners who were in the prison whatever they did there it was Joseph's doing the keeper of the prison did not look into anything that was under Joseph's authority because the Lord was with him and whatever he did the Lord made it to prosper and God will help you in all of your circumstances when things take an unexpected turn he's with you when things look bad he's with you when things don't go as planned he's with you even if you feel like you're under an attack from the enemy, he is still with you. But there's one contingency. You have to allow him to be with you. You have a part to play. You have to trust him. You have to allow him to work in your life. You have to keep trusting him. You have to honor him with what you do. You have to keep trusting him. You have to walk in righteousness. That's the only way that the vision is going to come to pass. So let's go back to Joseph. He's in jail here. There were two of the king's prisoners also in jail with him, the butler and the baker. Both of these uh, uh, prisoners had dreams, and when they told Joseph their dreams, God gave them, God gave Joseph the interpretation, so he told them basically what their dreams meant. And he said to the butler, he said, you're going to be restored to your position in three days, and when that happens, don't forget me. Don't leave me here in prison. Make sure you tell Pharaoh about me and take me with you. So Joseph was right. The dream came true. The butler was restored to his initial position. But guess what happened? He forgot Joseph. He didn't tell Pharaoh anything about Joseph. And for two more years, Joseph had to stay in the prison. I mean, this is a long time now coming out from that vision that he had. And so now I want you to think of Joseph. God, you gave me the dream. I interpreted this guy's dream and I thought that was my ticket out of prison but here I am still in prison two years later what is going on I'm starting to lose patience I think that's how I would be God I'm starting to lose patience I thought this was going to happen in fact God spoke something to Michael and I it has to be over two years ago now and like we tried to make it happen in the natural you know like we were like oh this is the next step kind of and it was a disaster and now we're just still waiting God just put on our hearts yes it's going to happen but wait just keep waiting and that's where we're at right now so we're over the two years we're I wouldn't say we're in prison but we've been waiting for over two years also but you know it's different because even if it seems like a long time in the natural supernatural time is different than natural time our brains can't understand it because we're natural beings, right? So we only understand 24 hours in a day, seven days in a week, 52 weeks in a year, however many years in a lifetime. That's the only thing that we understand. But God sees time very differently, and his timing is always perfect. Everybody say, God's timing is perfect. God's perfect. And you know, even in the waiting, we can be blessed. Because was Joseph blessed in the prison? Yes, he was given authority there. He was given freedoms. I'm sure he was well taken care of. So then guess what happened? Pharaoh had a dream. God is working through a lot of dreams here. And when Pharaoh had a dream, that butler, he said, oh, yeah, 
there's this guy in prison. He told me what my dream meant. I'm sure he can tell you what your dream means. I can't believe I forgot about him. That's basically what Butler says. So they call Joseph up to Pharaoh. They clean him up and put him into Pharaoh's presence, and they say, um, Pharaoh tells his dream, and Joseph gives him the interpretation of that dream. But beyond that, God also gave Joseph the wisdom to know what Pharaoh should do about the dream. So he said, this is what your dream means. Now, if you're a wise ruler, this is what you would do. And Pharaoh saw that wisdom inside of him. I believe he saw the Lord with Joseph at that point. And he says, okay, you're the guy. You're the guy I'm putting in charge. And he gives um, Joseph, let's see, he puts him second in command in his whole country, second only to Pharaoh himself. The only person who was more powerful than Joseph was Pharaoh. He gave Joseph all of that power, just short of giving him the whole kingdom. And Joseph lived a happy life there. He got married. He had a couple kids. He fulfilled the plan of God for that time in that place. And guess what? The vision had still not come to pass. Where is that wheat? Where are those 11 brothers bowing down to him, right? Where's the sun and the moon and the 11 stars bowing down to him? But this is what happened. There was a great famine on the land. <clears throat> Just as God had told Pharaoh in his dream, and guess who needed some food? The brothers. Joseph's brothers said, hey, we need some food. So Joseph's dad sent his brothers to Egypt, and he said, go to the governor of the land, which they didn't know was Joseph, and, and make sure you get some food. So the dad sends the brothers out. The brothers go to the governor of the land, and guess what they do? They bow down to the governor of the land. And Joseph, I can just imagine standing there, oh, here's the wheat. The wheat came to bow down to me. Finally, my vision came to pass. Do you know that scholars say that it took 15 years in between the dream and this moment? 15 years. And through it all, did Joseph go to the left? No. Did he go to the right? No. He said, no matter what it looks like, I am following God. I'm going to march right on this path. I'm going to stay living in righteousness. I'm going to stay trusting in God. I'm going to stay doing what God told me to do, no matter if I don't understand it, no matter if it doesn't look good, no matter if my circumstances look wrong, I'm going to stay. And for 15 years he did that, and here is the vision coming to pass, and your vision will also come to pass. Our uh, series right now is A Vision for More in 2024. In Ephesians it says, God wants to do exceedingly abundantly more than you could ever ask, think, or imagine. God wants to do more than you can imagine, Okay, so think, I'm imagining something really great that God is going to do. He wants to do more than that. Like, it's a big deal to serve God. He takes care of his children, but you have a part to play, and never forget that. You have to listen, and you have to obey what he says. So let's see. <clears throat> Just to make the rest of this story really short. Joseph was reunited with his family. They all came to Egypt to live. God blessed them and prospered them in that land, and it was God's will for all of that to happen so that God could deliver the Israelites later because they forgot about him. So Joseph was the tool or the vessel that he used in all of that. Joseph had to go through all of those trials to be used by God in the way that God's plan would come to work. And if he would have allowed himself to be discouraged by his dad or deterred by the anger of his brothers or to be doubtful because of his circumstances, he might never have seen that vision come to pass. 
And if God wants to use you in part of his plan and you choose not to listen and obey, he'll find somebody else who will. He always will get his plan finished. But if you listen and obey, you're the receiver of the blessing in that. And it's a beautiful thing to be on the other side of God's blessings. <clears throat> when God gives us vision, we have to hold on to that vision. Pastor calls it bulldog faith. Like, my son's name is Mac, M-A-C-K. And so we are very fortunate because there's a huge trucking company called Mac. You guys know what that is? What's their um, mascot? Does anybody know? It's a bulldog. And so for Christmas, we got Mac this cute little stuffed bulldog. And he loves that thing. And he's like, Mom, tell me about a bulldog. Because we don't have any pets. <laughs> and so I was like, okay, I can tell you what Grandpa says about bulldogs. He says, once bulldogs grab a hold of something, they never let go. And he said, that's kind of like me, huh, Mom? And I said, you betcha, buddy. You, you betcha. So uh, anyway, don't give up. Trust the vision. Keep your relationship with God strong so you're in the right place at the right time with the right people doing the right thing. God's will will come to pass, and he will bless you. Excuse me why I turned my page. This is really hard with this microphone. Here we go. So now you may be thinking, okay, Kendra, that's great for Joseph. I'm so glad he had that dream from God but how do I know what my vision is? And that's what I'm going to talk to you right now. You might say, I've never had a dream from God. God's never given me vision. I don't even know when you had me listen earlier. I don't even know what God said to me. And I want to tell you just a few things in my life that God has cast vision into my heart. So this is, this is just reality, okay? I'm just going to say it doesn't have to be as big as you think it is. It could be a lot of little things that lead you to the right place at the right time. So I'm just going to tell you just a few things that I was remembering as I was typing this up. When I was in third grade is the first time I really remember God speaking something to my heart. I was, I, so just so you know, I became a Christian when I was four years old, followed God my whole life. That's just kind of my story. But when I was in third grade, God spoke to my young heart, and he said, I want you to be a teacher. <laughs> I can't believe I'm crying. <laughs> But I remember it so vividly, like, I just knew that's what I was going to do for the rest of my life. I didn't hear God say something, okay? It was in my heart. And I came home and told my mom, and I said, I don't know if I said God told me, but I said, I'm going to be a teacher when I grow up. And I'm going to, my third grade teacher's name was Mrs. Green. And I said, when Mrs. Green retires, I'm going to be a third grade teacher right there where she is so that I can change kids' lives like she has. And so I just knew. I can't even tell you. It was just like a thought on the inside of my heart, and even my third grade self knew. And if you don't know, today I teach kindergarten. So like I said, sometimes God gives you a vision, and then you run with it in your mind, right? So my third grade mind said, I'm going to teach at third grade when my teacher retires and take her place. But God had a different plan for me. He knew I went, he put it in my heart that I was going to be a teacher, and now today I am a teacher. Um, so... And middle school was the next time that I could recall. And God told me, I was on like a, we did something called Girls in Action. And we went to Kentucky with my youth leader and did like a, like a weekend there or something. God bless youth leaders. I had no idea until I started teaching youth about two years ago how much sacrifice 
oh my gosh, I am so thankful for my youth leaders. She drove me to Kentucky, took me to a weekend. I can't imagine what that was like for her, sleeping on the floor in the school probably and all of that stuff. Anyway, God spoke to me and he said, I want to use you. I want to use you to serve me. And the word that I wrote down, I still remember this because my dad was not very happy about it, was missionary. And when I came home, my dad said, what do you mean? Where are you going to be a missionary at? That's not safe. <laughs> why, why do they take you to these things? <laughs> are you sure? Are you sure that God spoke to you? And my dad has always been supportive of everything I did, but it scared him a little bit. So I still don't know. The word missionary is what I wrote down, and obviously I'm here in Lander, Wyoming. I'm not in Africa or something like that. I have been on one missions trip, foreign missions trip, and so I don't know if this is like mission work, going on mission trips. I don't know. Maybe I will be a missionary in a foreign country someday, or maybe I'm doing mission work right here in Lander, Wyoming at Gannett Peak Elementary where people need God. And my coworkers come to me and they say, Kendra, this is going on in my life. And I say, let me pray with you. And they say, that was a powerful prayer. Thank you. Or when those babies walk into my classroom every single morning. And I'm the hands and feet of Jesus to somebody who maybe doesn't know Jesus. Or maybe it's because the people there need the love of God and I carry it with me, and I carry the presence of God, and I carry the peace of God, and maybe I'm doing mission work right there. So I don't know, but God does. And you know what I'm going to keep doing? I'm going to keep taking one step at a time, following his peace, going everywhere that he needs me to go, doing everything that he needs me to do. And in high school, God spoke to my heart that one day I would be in ministry. I did not understand, in fact, it's kind of a joke now, but I knew that I would be serving God, and I always told God from that moment on, I will never be married to a pastor. <laughs> and the reason I didn't want to is because my pastor was my best friend's dad. I was very close to him. I saw how much work it was. I knew it was a lot of work to be a pastor. And in addition, my pastor's wife sat in, she sat actually in the second pew back just a little bit in like there was like room for one person there and I always felt like that looked so lonely and I said I don't want to sit in the pew by myself I want my husband next to me with his arm around me right because my love language is touch and so but the joke really is on me because neither one of us ever sit here so and on the short occasion on the occasion that I do sit down there's always wonderful people around me and I say come sit with me I don't want to be lonely in the front row so, and as far as I know, she didn't feel lonely. So don't think that, like, she was lonely or anything, but that's just how my brain perceived it. So here I am, married to a pastor. I am serving him in ministry. That vision that God gave me in high school is coming to pass right now. I started teaching Sunday school, so I started ministry when I was 12 years old. I never stopped. I still teach children's church nearly every Sunday, and I love it. Michael and I are associate pastors here, and my heart is so full doing this work. It's like the best thing, the best vision fulfillment in my life is probably right here. Also in high school, God spoke this to my heart. He said, you can wait for the right man. He said, you don't need to date around. You don't need to waste your time. Look around anyway. They're all silly. They don't know what they're doing. Like, seriously. 
And you know, I have to give kudos to my dad here too because I read a book in high school, I think, and it said there is a guy-shaped hole in everybody's, every girl's heart, every little girl's heart. And I wouldn't say it's a hole, but a guy-shaped spot, right? And, and the girls long for, and this is science-based too, long for kind of like a loving connection with a male or with their, you know, it should be their dad at that point. And my dad did such a good job telling me I was beautiful, like feeling that connection, you know, he was one of my best friends. Just so, I'm so thankful to my dad. So kudos to my dad. He did a really good job. So anyway, uh, it was easy for me to wait. I did look around at all the silly boys and I thought, eh, you're not really worth my time right now. I need to focus on something else, okay? And so I'm just telling you my vision. This was a vision that God gave into my high school heart. So then in college, enter Michael Bauer. I met him when I was 18 in my first year of college. In fact, I met him just like a week after school started. He's the only boyfriend I've ever had. And I married him almost two years later when I was just about to turn 20. And I want to say this too. God can speak to you through people. So my youth leaders told me they had like this, I can't remember if it was like a lock-in or just like a special meeting or something about purity. And they just taught us about purity. And they said, you don't have to compromise even though everybody around you is compromising, everybody is doing what the Bible says you shouldn't be doing, you don't have to do that. And my heart grabbed a hold of that. It was something that they spoke, but I had the vision for. God gave me the vision for that, right? And so I said, okay. And they said, you don't even have to date. And I said, okay, I don't have to. And Michael's the only guy I ever dated. And we really, we have a pretty special love story, I think. You probably think your love story is special too. And it is. <laughs> It is special. Please don't take that the wrong way. But it's really special to me because God put that vision in my heart and it came to pass. So anyway, because of that vision. Okay. And then in college, God began to speak to me something I never thought I would do. He said, I want you to go to Bible school. It's like, whoa, okay, God. And he started speaking to me. But this was a riot because... I knew in my heart that I'd be going to Bible school with Michael, but we were not dating. In fact, we were taking a break at the time when God spoke this to me, and uh, we weren't engaged or anything like that. So I just remember we had come home to Lander. I think we went skiing. We stopped at Danielle's house to say hi to her in Riverton, and then on our way back to Casper, Michael was started talking about a future together, and I was like, wow, like we're not even dating you know, like, trust me, we were kind of dating, but it was like, it was like, he started talking about that, and that's when I said, I want to go to Rama with you, and he started crying, and if you know Michael, we have this joke, Michael and his cousin, we say they don't really have feelings, you know, because they are like, they don't really know their feelings. Michael tries really hard because he knows it's important to me to like communicate feelings, but he started getting a little teary, and he said, you know what? I had one stipulation to God for asking you to marry me, and that was you would be willing to go to Rainbow with me, and here God is working out all the details of my vision for me, all the details of the vision that he planted in Michael's heart, and he's working out those details for us, right? So God works out our details, and then I'm almost done here. Shortly after we got married, God spoke to my heart, and he said, I want you to build a home. I began looking at floor plans years before we ever built our home. 
but it was something, it was a dream in my heart. He told me we were going to do it. And when God does tell you something, go ahead and start taking steps in the natural. You don't have to make it happen. Like I said before, when we tried to make it happen, there's something completely different. Start dreaming. When God puts a vision in your heart, start dreaming towards that vision. Start making steps toward that vision. Um, so I never had the thought, wow, we're pretty young to build our own house. At the time I was 24, Michael was 26. I never thought, hey, building a house might not be possible because we don't make very much money. Never thought about it. I just knew God said build a house. I said, Michael, we're going to build a house. And he's like, okay. And this is kind of what we did. We found a floor plan we liked. We knocked on somebody's door and said, hey, will you sell us that land? And they said, sure. And we built a house. And that's basically you know what, kudos to Pastor Danny because he is an electrician by trade and he basically helped us a lot. So thanks, Dad, I know you're listening. Um, and you know, building that house has been such a blessing to us in more ways than we ever thought. It has been such a blessing to us. Not only is it like a lovely place to live, but God has helped us fulfill other parts of vision that he gave us later in our lives because we built that house. And... Um, it's just, it's just been such a blessing to us. Also, when I was younger, God gave me a desire to build my own preschool. And as soon as I became pregnant with Callie, I knew it was time to start, to, uh, start a business. I'm going to own my own preschool. And um, <clears throat> my principal came to me and she said, Kendra, I have a job offer for you. I know you want to quit because I was pregnant. She said, but I think, you know, could you work half time? And she gave me some really good offers. And I thought, ooh, this is easy, right? I could still work half-time, could still raise my babies half-time. And I just told her, I said, no, God told me to do this. I'm going to start my own preschool. And I did, and it was such a blessing in my life. Not only did I get to teach about Jesus, I got to meet so many wonderful people in the community who I'm still very close with. And when we sold that business, that's how we got the money to start our cabin project. We're building a cabin on Union Pass. That would not have happened if I didn't have the preschool. And so all of that, like I would have never thought in a million years it would be a financial blessing, but it ended up being a financial blessing. And I got to stay home with my babies half time. God told me we were going to have two girls. As soon as Callie was born, I started calling her sister. I remember Tim, Michael's little brother Tim, he said, I, he's talking to Callie, I don't know why they call you sister. I just don't understand why they call you sister. And I'm like, Tim, because God told me I was going to have two girls and I'm going to call her sister. And we actually named Reagan. Her name is Reagan Jane. I can tell you a long story about how she got her name. But she, we actually named her before I was even pregnant with her. I just knew that we were going to have two girls. I don't know why God gave me that vision, but I know that he told me, and I ran with it. And so God has given us vision for our family over the years. He's given us vision for ministry, some things that are completely overwhelming, to be honest with you. He's given us vision for personal growth. He's given us financial vision. He's given us vision for even like our jobs and careers. But it's our job to listen to that vision, and it's our job to take the steps to make it come to pass. So as we begin taking the steps, we see the opportunity, take the step. You see an opportunity, take a step. God's given you a vision, take a step. This part's really hard for me, but 
God gave you a vision. You keep saying you don't know, but you know. Take a step. Okay. So I have a little bit more left of my sermon, but it doesn't feel right. So I'm just going to tell you this. We practiced earlier, what did you hear from God? What does God tell you? Sometimes it's not clear. Okay, because it's a supernatural God. Sometimes he wants you to give you a little slice of the pizza so that you can trust him and have a little faith. So often he doesn't give you the whole story. I can tell you that he spoke to Joseph in a dream. He spoke to people through angels. He spoke to people through prophets and people. And most of the way that he speaks to people is through their hearts. The Holy Spirit has a connection with your spirit. And when you hear him, it's like a thought on the inside of you. It's like a knowing. I have had so many thoughts over my years. And the thoughts come into almost like it feels like it comes into your belly. I know that sounds really silly. There's really no way to describe it. But it's a knowing. Your spirit knows that it's from God. And when that happens, write it down. Because something is going to come of it. And if you don't understand it all, like what you wrote down, maybe you don't understand it, go pray in the Holy Spirit and say, God, what does this mean? He will reveal it to you. He will reveal it to you. And so I've never had a vision, a literal vision, like an out-of-body experience, like people in the Bible, some of the people in the Bible. I've never had an angel. But I have had the Holy Spirit speak to my spirit on many occasions. I'm going to read John 16, 13 here. And it says this, However, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you things to come. What does it say at the end? He will tell you things to come. Everybody say that. God, you tell me things to come. And you know, pastor has told me this in the past when I was making a big decision and I said, I feel like I'm emotionally involved and having a hard time because sometimes your spirit and soul are very close. You are a spirit, you have a soul. Your soul is your mind, your will, and your emotions. So sometimes, and the Bible says, the, word, uh, the spirit of God can divide between your spirit and your soul. But it's hard. Sometimes I'm emotionally connected to a situation. And I remember pastor telling me this. He said, I want you to get alone, pray in the spirit, and then ask God, God, what about this? And the first thing that comes to your mind, I want you to think, okay, take note of that. And then before your reasoning comes in, push it aside. Stop thinking about it. Then later, pray in the Holy Spirit. Ask God, what about this? What does this mean? The first thing that drops into your heart, take note of that. Before your reasoning kicks in, push it to the side. Because your reasoning is always going to go on overdrive then and be like, like I was saying about Michael, he just walked in so he doesn't even know. But how is that going to happen? What are we going to do? How, that's impossible. I don't know how to make that happen. You know, and so you have to be able to push your reasoning aside and say, this is the vision God gave me. I don't care if I'm in prison. I don't care if I was sold into slavery. I don't care if the circumstances look bad. I don't care if someone told a lie about me. I don't care if someone forgot about me. God, your vision is this for me, and I choose to walk in that vision. But you have to make the choice. You have to make the choice. So you already wrote something down. If it's God, it will stay on your heart. You'll continue to know it's him. I want to leave you with this in Psalm 37, 3 through 5. 
I should read this. You can hear from God better when you're in strong communication with him through reading his word, through spending time with him, and by praying in the Holy Spirit. If you don't have a strong relationship with God, it's harder. So just make sure. But God works with you where you're at. The Bible says, draw near to me, and I will draw near to you. If your heart is open and you say, God, I need to hear something from you, give me a vision for more in 2024. Or just, what is your vision for my life? Or maybe it's something in your heart that's already there, and it seems impossible, or it seems too big. You just say, God, I know you can do it. Okay? So, uh, but you listen to him, you get close connection to him, and, and he'll reveal it to you. Like I said, when God gives me a vision in my heart, it's like, I just know it's God. It's so hard for me to explain, but it's like, my spirit knows this is God speaking to me. And um, it doesn't go away. Yep, it comes, stems from your relationship. So Psalm 37, 3 through 5, it says this, Keep trusting in the Lord, do what is right in his eyes, Fix your heart on the promises of God. You dwell in the land, feasting on his faithfulness. Find your delight and true pleasure in Yahweh. He will give you what you desire the most. Give, commit to God, the right direction. Sorry. I'm going to back up. Find your delight and true pleasure in Yahweh. He will give you what you desire the most. Give, commit to God, the right to direct your life. And as you trust him along the way, you'll find that he pulled it off perfectly. Even if you don't understand, he knows. He works out the details, like I said. So um, I guess that's it. I guess that's all I have. There is one thing I want to, okay, I'm just going to obey God here. There's a vision. <laughs> this is hard. This is so hard for me to do without crying. There's a vision that God put in your heart. It looks impossible. It's a big one. Stay on the right track. Keep your eyes on Jesus. It will come to pass. It will come to pass. Thank you, Father God. Hallelujah. Father God, I just pray today for all of these people who heard your word. I thank you, Lord, that your word says that when your word goes forth, it does not come back void. So as these seeds have been planted in the hearts of the people, I call that word fruitful in Jesus' name. I thank you, Father, that you are revealing your vision to your people. I thank you, Father God, that you are speaking to hearts right now. Holy Spirit, that you're communing with people's spirits, saying, this is the vision I have for you. Raise your eyes higher. Trust me at my word. I will not let you down. Thank you, Father God, for building relationship with these people. As they draw close to you, you draw close to them. And beyond the shadow of a doubt, they know that they know that they know that this vision is from you and that it's a good vision. They should hold on to it with bulldog faith. I thank you, Father, for your faithfulness in our lives. You are such a faithful father. You are such a faithful father. And the Bible says you are no respecter of persons. That means you treat Joseph the same way that you treat us. What you did for Joseph, you will do for us today. And I thank you, Father, for that faithfulness that we can trust in and rely on and hold strong to. And I thank you, Lord, that you will pull it off perfectly. And in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Do you have anything to say? Okay, then you can go. Pastor's not here to give a little mini sermon at the end, so <laughs> thanks for coming. It's been a joy having you with us today. 
We pray you've been blessed by spending the time in God's Word. Always remember, you're valuable and precious, special and important to Him.